stories fifteen sixteen and seventeen of st andrew's ghost stories by william thomas linskill this librivox recording is in the public domain story fifteen the apparition of sir roger de wanklin i am very fond indeed of christmas time there has been little snow this season i think it has forgotten how to snow in these days still i always feel christmassy i think of the good old coaching days when there was really snow of washington irving and good old dickens and scott of the yule log and the family gatherings and reunions of the wassail bowl of frumenty and plum porridge and mince pies plum puddings and holly and mistletoe and big dances in the servants hall of good old ancestral ghosts and hearty good cheer i am sitting to-day in a cosy armchair of the old school no modern fake talking to my old friend theophilus greenbracket phyllis as i call him is a clever man of many parts he is a great traveller and sportsman and takes a deep interest in every mortal thing there is nothing of the killjoy or fossil about greenbracket he is up-to-date and true blue he is sitting opposite me smoking a gigantic cigar and imbibing rum punch and talking hard he always talks hard but is never a bore and never palls on one in the slightest degree he has an enormous dog at his feet with a fierce vindictive expression which belies its real nature as it is gentle with everything and everybody except cats and rats greenbracket is among many other things a great spiritualist and visionary and possesses all kinds of mediumistic appliances such as pithos planchettes and ouijas which he works with his old butler amos bradley who is another spirit hunter by the by said greenbracket i am at present taking lessons in music with mr easeboy he says this so suddenly that he makes me jump as we were talking about sea serpents and the probability of their existence are you indeed old chap i said yes thorough bass and consecutive fifths and harmony and all that sort of thing you know he has a pupil a macbeth church timber who has just written a thundering pretty waltz called eleanor wynne i thought church timber i mildly suggested only played severe classical stuff oh yes replied my friend but he occasionally touches on a lighter theme and has even written a comic song called i lay beside a milestone with a sunflower on my brow i must try it some day i said but how about your ghosts have you seen any lately there was one here a few minutes ago said greenbracket a tall man in armour sitting in that corner over there what rubbish i said quite crossly you dream things or drink or eat too much no i don't said greenbracket do you really mean to tell that you felt no sensation just now no pricking or tingling feeling or a chilly sensation down your back certainly not nothing of the kind i replied well that is queer he said i know you don't see these things but i fancied you would have felt a strange presence in some way i don't know who the man in armour was i have not seen him before but my butler has at all events it was not sir roger de wanklin who the blank is he i queried oh said my host he is the earth-bound spirit of an architect 
who lived in st andrews at the time that james v married mary of lorraine in the cathedral he says he was present at the ceremony and can describe it all a gay pageant it was and much revelry if you can get all this sort of curious information which i don't exactly credit why on earth can't you find out something practical and useful for instance where the secret underground hiding-place is and where all the tons of valuable ornaments papers and vestments are concealed my dear friend said greenbracket solemnly these people won't be pumped they only tell you what they choose to or are permitted to reveal if they really do turn up and talk to you as you say they do why on earth can't you get them to talk some useful sense i really can't force their confidence said greenbracket all they do tell me voluntarily is most interesting and absorbing this sir roger planned numerous very important structural alterations in the cathedral and elsewhere it is all very odd to me i said one meets people with strange ideas i met a man years ago at abertswith who was a firm believer in the transmigration of souls he said he quite remembered being a cab-horse in glasgow and was certain when he left this planet he would become a parrot in mars i don't understand that sort of thing a bit said my extraordinary friend greenbracket but sir roger de wanklin has sometimes to visit the valley of fire and frost where there are mighty furnaces on one side of him and ice and snow on the other and it is very painful i had that sort of experience the other day i remarked at a meeting on one side was a furnace of a fire and on the other a window wide open with a biting frost wind blowing in oh tuts said greenbracket that's here i'm talking of the spirit world hang your spirit stuff has your butler amos bradley seen any spooky things lately yes he is much annoyed by the spirit of an evil old housekeeper here who lost her life by falling downstairs and she is continually pushing him down my cellar stairs he is furious is this a butler of yours any connection of jeremiah anklebone i asked yes he is a cousin said greenbracket all that family have second sight and see and dream strange things and who i ask may this housekeeper be who pitched your butler downstairs oh said greenbracket she's a badly constituted wraith and her name is annabel strongthorn she was housekeeper ages ago to this sir roger de ranklin in this very old house we are in what happened to this sir roger has he told you oh yes he fell over the cliffs bless me and did this old housekeeper woman push him over was she a murderess oh how can i tell said greenbracket peevishly he has told me nothing of the kind well old fellow i said you really do not get much interesting information out of your ghostly friends but what i like about you is that all your numerous ghosts come straight to you straight to headquarters at once you don't go fooling about with chairs and tables and sideboards and other pieces of timber in an idiotic way if as some people say they can get chairs and tables and other articles of furniture to follow them about why don't they go in for cheap furniture removals at night when the streets are empty don't make a joke of everything said greenbracket i do see and converse with departed spirits i do not ask them to come they come to me and half of them i have never heard of before or thought of either 
may i ask my good friend greenbracket what sort of clothes they wear when they pay you these visits for instance what does your latest apparition sir roger clothe himself in bless me said theophilus why in the dress of his times of course a jerkin a doublet and hose a rapier and all that sort of things sometimes he wears a sort of coarse fustian cassock with a double breast i can't make out i said to my spiritualistic friend where these clothes come from have they got a sort of a theatrical wardrobe wherever they are existing if so why can't the ghosts of old world clothes come alone in such a case you might see a modern suit of evening togs or armor or boots and spurs or military dress walk into your room without anything inside them or you might with a stretch of imagination see a suit of pajamas or a pair of slippers going about the place shut up talking like that said theophilus you don't possess the sense i mean the extra sense to see these things but read this document i have written out surely it will convince you that i really do get valuable inspirations from other worlds but mind keep it a strict secret at present all right i promise you i murmured placidly then i perused carefully the more than extraordinary document he had handed me it is very curious i said if it be one bit true and if genuine might be extremely useful mind my lips are sealed but from whom did you obtain this remarkable story from sir roger de wanklin the cathedral architect he replied and off i went quite full of my queer friend greenbracket and of annabel strongthorn amos bradley and his cousin anklebone and particularly roger de wanklin end of story fifteen story sixteen the bewitched ermintrude very many years ago now i was sauntering down historic old south street one november afternoon my object being to lunch in one of the quaint houses with my old-time friend harold slitherwick lunch was not however the main object of my visit but to meet a man called reginald sadiger an ex-indian judge who had actually seen a genuine spirit or ghost it is a sad nay a melancholy fact for i have been told this by the very best authorities that i am not psychic despite the fact that i have spent days and nights in gloomy grimly haunted chambers and ruins and even a lonesome halloween night on the summit of st rule's ancient tower my only companions being sandwiches matches some cigars and the necessary and indispensable flask yet alas i have never heard or seen anything the least abnormal or felt the necessary or much talked of mystic presence arrived at the old mansion i was duly ushered in by slitherick's butler one joe bingworthy a man with the manner and appearance of an archbishop and from whom one always seemed to expect a sort of pontifical blessing there were several fellows there and i was speedily made known to sediger a very cheery pleasant little person with dark hair and big eyebrows there was a very heated discussion going on when i entered as to what was really a properly constituted cathedral darkwood was shouting no bishop's chair no cathedral if he said a bishop had his chair in a tiny chapel it was a cathedral 
but if a religious building was as big as the crystal palace and there was no bishop's chair there it was not one bit a cathedral i stopped this discussion suddenly by asking sediger about his ghost and was told i would hear the whole story after lunch before we adjourned to the smoke-room sediger was telling us he felt a bit knocked up with his long journey he had a thirty-six hours journey after he left good old tony pandy visions of tony lumpkin and tony faust in my sweetheart flitted through my brain then i suddenly remembered luckily that tony pandy was a town in wales once comfortably seated in the smoke-room with pipes cigars and whisky reginald sediger became at once the centre of all the interest lots of years ago he said in a quiet legal voice i came to visit some friends in st andrews and i had a most unaccountable experience i will tell you all about it i never saw anything supernatural before and have never seen anything the least remarkable since but one night my first night in that house i undoubtedly saw the wraith of the blue girl what had you for supper that evening i mildly asked only chicken and salad was the reply i was not thinking of anything ghostly if you fix your mind intently on one thing some folk can you can self-hypnotize yourself i had no idea but golf on my mind when i went off to roost well drive ahead said i i had a charming comfortable big old-world room given me nice fire and all that sort of thing continued sediger and as i was deuced tired i soon went to bed and to sleep i woke suddenly later with the firm conviction that a pair of eyes were fixed on me i suppose every one knows that if you stare fixedly at any sleeping person they will soon awake I got a start when I half-opened my eyes, for leaning on the mantelpiece, staring hard at me, in the mirror, was a most beautiful girl in a light blue gauzy dress. Her back, of course, was to the bed, and I saw she had masses of wavy golden-brown hair hanging down long past her waist. I was utterly astonished and watched the movements of this beautiful creature with my eyes almost closed i felt sure it was someone in the house having a lark at my expense so pretended to be asleep as i watched the girl turned round and faced me and i marvelled at the extraordinary loveliness of her figure and features i wondered if she was a guest in the house and what she was doing wandering about at that time of night and if she was sleepwalking she then glided it certainly was not walking to a corner of the room and then i noticed that her feet were bare she seemed to move along above the carpet not on it a curious motion she drifted and stood beneath a big picture took out a key and opened a small ombre or cupboard in the wall quite noiselessly and from this receptacle she took out some small things that glittered in her pretty fingers long taper fingers how on earth did you contrive to see all that in a dark bedroom i sarcastically inquired the room wasn't dark said sediger i always keep the light burning in a strange house and in a strange room oh i see i replied go on well continued reginald sediger she then turned and came towards the bed and i got a more distinct view of her i had never seen any one a bit like her before it was an utterly unforgettable face 
i have certainly never before or since seen any one as pretty as she was yet it was a strange unearthly beauty and her huge forget-me-not blue eyes were a perfection of pathos nearer and yet nearer she came and when quite close to the bed she bent over me and raised her hand with the glittering thing in it high over my head then i made a tremendous spring out of bed crying loudly now i'll see who is trying to frighten me i flung out my arms to grasp her but they closed on nothing and to my utter astonishment i saw her standing smiling at me on the opposite side of the room that was odd and uncanny enough but then she gradually began to disappear dissolving into a thin blue-gray mist until nothing whatever remained i was absolutely alone in the room and dumbfounded what next i asked well what could i do or think said sadiger i was fairly flabbergasted at the unexpected turn of events i admit i felt shaky so i took a stiff whisky and soda smoked a pipe and went back to bed to reflect on the matter and fell asleep i was awakened in the morning by my host harold slitherwick walking into the room carrying a pony brandy for me well old blighter how have you slept he asked then i told him about the blue girl bless my heart have you seen her too lots of people my wife among the number declare they have seen her but as you have seen her now i really began to believe there is some truth in the tale i then told my host there was no dubiety about the matter and pointed out the place under the picture where there was a cupboard we both went and looked there was no cupboard to be seen very rum thing said my host there was a murder once took place in this room ages ago perhaps the blue lady had something to do with it but let us hunt for your cupboard on rapping with our knuckles on the wall we found a hollow spot scraped off the paper and there sure enough was the little door i had seen we soon forced it open and discovered a receptacle about a foot square going very deep into the thick stone wall there were a lot of things in that place scissors a thimble a dagger a work-box and a lot of old musty dusty papers and then we found a long tress of ruddy gold hair in an envelope and a beautiful miniature magnificently painted on ivory of the blue girl i had seen every detail the face the dress the hair and the bare feet were perfectly exact on both the envelope and the miniature were written the names ermentrude ermengarde annabelle beaupari with the date fifteen fifty nine we then examined the old documents which gave us some clue to the mystery it was a very long story that we had to read over but i will tell it to you briefly long ago this ancient house was the property of a frenchman monsieur louis beaupierre he had an only and lovely daughter of twenty named ermentrude ermengarde annabelle beaupierre who was intended to be a bride of the church otherwise a nun this idea apparently did not appeal to her views she passionately loved a young student and was equally beloved by him whose name was eugene malvoisine all went well it seems for two years and they were to be married in the cathedral at easter all the arrangements were complete for the nuptials but fortune is a fickle jade and willed it otherwise a rival turned up on the scene in the person of marie de malros a cousin of beaurepaire and a frequent guest at their house 
ermentrude found that her beloved eugene had proved faithless and transferred his youthful affections to the lovely marie and that a speedy elopement was pending ermentrude went and consulted a wise woman otherwise a witch who resided in argyle out with the shoegate port this witch by name alliston braithwaite used her evil powers on the fair ermentrude and enraged her jealousy to fury and a desire for revenge and presented her with a potion and a cunning well-wrought dagger the witch threw a spell over ermentrude and took all the good within her away and implanted evil passions within her breast it seems that marie of malros slept in this old room and one night ermentrude willed by the witch went to marie's bedside and planted the dagger in her heart and she died it seems ermentrude disappeared and was never seen or heard of again and was supposed to have drowned herself at the maiden rock hence the name it bears that said sadiger is my quaint tale the room i slept in was the very room in which in ages past marie was done to death by ermentrude and it seems to have been my lot to see ermentrude and discover the secret that lay in that old cupboard we all thanked sadiger and after thoughtfully consuming a few more whiskies and sodas and a few more cigars went off to the links pondering deeply End of story sixteen story seventeen a very peculiar house last time i visited cambridge i was invited by a friend to meet a party of merry undergraduates they had all nicknames and what their real names were i cannot remember there was mike and whiffle toddy bulger the infant eddie smith from ramsgate and the coal scuttle we had a most sumptuous repast as only can be supplied by first-class cambridge kitchens and to which we did ample justice we were smoking after lunch when they informed me that they had taken the liberty of making an engagement for me to go to tea with such a dear old lady called sister elfrida at a house in bridge street opposite st clement's church on the following day at four thirty as she wished to tell me some ghostly experiences she had had at st andrews of course i said i would go very gladly they asked me before i went if i could take them behind the scenes that night at the cambridge theatre this i had to flatly refuse as no undergraduates are allowed within the sacred precincts of the stage door next day was a damp raw typical cambridge day i wended my way to bridge street and easily found the house i was going to as i had once lodged there the rooms were kept by two old women who might be called decayed gentlewomen their name was monkswood and they had been nicknamed the cruets namely pepper and vinegar very different from them was their niece a lovely young actress who was known on the stage as patricia glencluse who was uh, quite the rage in musical comedy and who it was rumoured abroad would soon become a duchess the door was opened by patricia herself who said oh i thought it might be you sister elfrida told me you were coming to tea you will like her she is such a darling just like the belle of new york only grown older if you write anything about what she tells you mind you send it to me to the whittington company theatre birmingham of course i will i said and i will put you in it 
now come along upstairs and i will introduce you to her she said she tapped at a door and then opened it and ushered me into the presence of the sister look here sister said patricia i have brought the ghost man from st andrews to see you here he is very good of you said the sister as she shook hands with me warmly you know she said i have read all your ghost tales she then told patricia to run downstairs and send the servant up with tea then we seated ourselves down to tea and muffins and the old lady related her story she said i wanted very much to tell you of a little experience i had some months ago i was asked to come up for a short time to look after an invalid lady who lived at st andrews well i arrived safely there and went from the station to the house in a bus it was an old house and when i entered i felt a queer sort of creepy sensation come over me such as i had never experienced before i was ushered into the presence of my host and hostess and the invalid lady he was a splendid example of an old british soldier and his wife was a pretty fragile-looking old piece of china the invalid lady i found only suffered from nerves and very little wonder i thought in such a peculiar house i had always a fancy that some other human being resided in the house but if so it only remained a feeling the name of the cook was timbletoss the butler was corncockle and oddly enough they both came from cambridge what curious names there are here i said to the sister when i first went to cambridge i thought the names over the shops must be some gigantic joke a man once suggested to me that someone must have been specially engaged to come to cambridge and invent those wonderful names well continued the sister it really was a most extraordinary house i had never seen anything out of the common before and i have never seen anything like that house since the servants told me most remarkable tales how the bedclothes were twitched off the bed in the night by unseen hands and how the tables and chairs rattled about over the floor and the knives and forks flew off the table curious little coloured flames known there as burbilangs used to float about in the air at night and corncockle the butler said the beer taps in the cellar were constantly turned on and the gas turned off the servants had to have their wages considerably raised to keep them in the house at luncheon on several occasions the lady used to jump up and run out of the room in great haste and did not reappear till dinner when she looked very white and shaky on two occasions i was ordered to go at once to my room and lock the door and remain there until the old squire sounded the hall gong they seemed very much perturbed when i got down again i will only mention one or two curious things i saw one was a quaint creature called the mutilated football which slotted downstairs in front of me and when it reached the lobby a head and a pair of arms and legs appeared and it pattered off down the cellar stairs at a breakneck speed the story goes that this creature was once a great athlete and football player and when he got old and fat would insist on still playing though warned not to do so he got such a severe kick that his ribs were broken and he died on the field i never heard the true story of the animated hairpin but i saw it once seated in an armchair in the dining-room it looked as if it had on black tights and close-fitting black jersey 
it had a very long white face with great round eyes like an owl's and black hair standing on end to a great height when it saw me it got up quickly from the chair bowed very low till its head nearly touched the ground and then walked in a most stately manner out of the room then i saw the green lady a tall beautiful girl with very long hair and a rustling green brocaded dress she glided along as if on wheels that this was no imagination of mine may be drawn from the fact that one day when i had a little girl to tea she suddenly clutched my arm and asked me who that beautiful lady in green with the long hair was who had gone past the door on roller skates i will not enlarge now on the bangings crashes thumpings and tappings that resounded through the rooms at all times of day and night sometimes on the ceilings sometimes on the walls and sometimes on the floors the doors and windows too had a nasty habit of suddenly opening without any visible cause and another very curious thing was that one might be sitting by a very bright fire when without any apparent cause it would suddenly go out and leave nothing but inky blackness the first night i slept in my room in this peculiar house i examined it most thoroughly but there was nothing out of the common to be seen my door which i most carefully locked flew open with a bang though the bolt still remained out i again closed and relocked the door and put a chair against it but to my astonishment the door once more flew open and hurled the chair across the room after that i decided to leave the door wide open and see what would happen next i got quite accustomed to the burbelangs or flying lights they were like pretty fireworks nothing more happened to me for several days till one morning i awoke about two o'clock to find a youngish-looking monk seated in an armchair fear not he said sister elfrida i left this earth many years ago in life my name was walter desmond but when i became a monk at st anthony i was known as brother stanilaus as a rule i am invisible but can assume my bodily shape if necessary in life i was at st andrews durham and cambridge when in cambridge i asked did you know the writer of st andrews ghost stories no i only knew him by sight i was very young then and was quite afraid of him as i heard when getting on the links he used to become very violent if he missed a putt topped a drive foozled an iron shot or got into any of the numerous ditches which intersect the cambridge links but i came specially to see you to-night to tell you how to rid this house of the evil influence there is over it i have here a manuscript regarding it which i took from a foreign library and which i wish you to read and act upon and so purify this house and render it habitable but i must impose the strictest secrecy on you in regard to what you read reveal it to no one but how will you get that paper back i asked the brother oh time and space are nothing to us i got this paper from that distant library only a few seconds ago and when you have digested it it will be immediately replaced from whence it came only follow all the directions carefully or my visit will have been of no avail we read the paper over together most carefully but of that i may say no more having told you what to do said the monk i fear i must hie hence i have much to do to-night after replacing the paper 
i will fulfil all that you have asked me brother i said and hope that it will make this house less fearsome but before you go brother i said as you are a cambridge man why do you not pay a visit to the author of st andrew's ghost stories he would not see me because i would not materialize myself there i could only appear as a puff of smoke or as it were a light fog thanks sister i said do not ask any nasty damp fogs to come and call on me she laughed the monk in vanishing said remember sister no bolts locks or bars can keep us from going where we choose i got up and thanked her and proceeded to put on a greatcoat i never wear greatcoats i said in scotland but i am afraid of the cambridge damp so i borrowed this topcoat from colonel church timber you have dropped something out of the pocket said the sister hello i said this is a piece of classical music which must belong to macbeth church timber the colonel's son now good night and many thanks sister elfrida i descended the stairs and said good night to the cruets and patricia as i wandered down the street to the theatre in the damp foggy evening i pondered over what sister elfrida had told me and as i lit my pipe i kept thinking of those people the mutilated football the animated hairpin and the monk brother stanilaus to whom locks bolts and bars were as nothing and who had the nasty habit of appearing to his friends as a damp cloud a habit i think not to be encouraged sister elfrida now informs me that the peculiar house is now quite normal and that all the bogies have vanished into thin air end of story seventeen end of st andrew's ghost stories by william thomas linskill